And welcome everyone to another exciting episode of the Coruscant Pulse. We are exactly 291 days away from The Last Jedi hitting theaters. And this is episode number 61. It is February 26th. With me as always is James and David. Wow, we hit the under 300 mark for Last Jedi already. That's crazy. Woot woot. Some little news here to go over first before we go into our main discussion, which is The Force. There are only four episodes of Rebels left for this season. And is this the final season? There might be more. There might not be. There, there are questions around that right now. Um, at the very least, uh, the next season hasn't been officially announced yet. But I feel like part of that's because typically when they do make the official announcement, if there is going to be a fourth season, it's likely because they're going to drop a trailer at the same time. So they might be waiting until, honestly, after the end of Season 3, or at the end of Season 3, to put in a teaser for Season 4, if there will be one. Which I don't know, because I finally caught up with the with the whole end of Rebels, and uh, it, it doesn't look good. <laughs> in terms of, like, the show is great, but things don't look good for the Rebels right now. Good, good. Yeah, like, there's every chance that Thrawn is going to go absolutely hog wild on the rebels by the end of this season not gonna lie that makes me happy i don't know why it makes me but it does i mean like i know we're not really you guys aren't really watching rebels but through imperial eyes is probably one of the better examples of how the empire works that we've seen in a while i think one of the other really nice things for fans of the of legends and the like is you get to see thrawn absolutely dissect and pull apart a situation and come to a conclusion as to finding out who the rebel spy actually is because the entire episode is about them trying to identify who the double agent within the empire is but yeah so i mean uh, i finally caught up on all the rebels and i've got to say i i'm digging season three so far at least more than season two i wasn't a huge season two fan but season three especially the tail end of it seems do you to be going think it's strong. more dealing with adult concepts in the sense of like uh clone wars does or do you think it's still a little bit more on the kitty side no i think it's, it's definitely more of the kitty side like i they touched very briefly on like rex's P- ptsd but they don't really deal with it in the same manner like uh, whenever one of these heavier topics like has a chance to come up it tends to be resolved in episode as opposed to being a lingering issue which was a little bit different from how they really treat everything in the clone wars but at the same time you know the characters are growing up so they're now dealing with other problems and other issues but again it is it is geared towards a simpler story by its nature because it is targeted towards a younger audience, so it's it's a little bit simpler. But overall, the characters have evolved in a way that I'm pretty pleased with overall. And yeah, it's it's going fairly well now. Well, that's good at least. I mean, I, I I've actually been watching more Clone Wars. I think I'm like eight, nine episodes into season one now. I'm trying to actually catch well, up. Well, I'll say this much: your guys like, to be honest, the Clone Wars, the first season or two, I wasn't a super huge fan of. Like, they were okay. They weren't fantastic. In, like, season three and season four of the Clone Wars, they really hit their stride. And they hit their stride strong. I, I could believe that. I'm not thrilled with what I'm seeing, but nothing's making me like, going like, ah, this is kiddie. Like, 
Yeah, it's Nothing really like so once you get deep off. into like season three and season four is where you realize that things are kind of dark here. <laughs> and even then, it's not an obvious dark. It's something where you have to be paying attention to some of the context and some of the subtleties that are happening in order to understand like, oh, no, they dress this up and are kind of treating this still as a kid's topic. But if you really think about it, this is kind of really messed up. <sighs> Nothing's messed up in life. It's all it's all peaches. So I guess uh, the next little teaser rumor that's been floating around there right now is an EA employee teased that there would some kind of trailer announcement was coming out for something. And some people are thinking that it could possibly be a Battlefront 2 trailer of some variety because uh, EA and DICE have stated that they're taking a little bit of a break from the Battlefield series right now. Ooh. The only other thing I'll say is that ea is working on other star wars titles aside from battlefront 2 so it could be one of those titles instead or any of the other myriad titles that ea works on but i'm still kind of hoping that this will be something related to either battlefront 2 or one of the other star wars games that you know were announced a while back but we've still seen nothing from them i mean my guess is it's probably they're probably going to try and release something for Celebration, especially since, isn't it coming out this year? What, Battlefront 2? Yeah. I don't think that's finalized, but I think that they're hoping to. So if they're hoping to release it this year, then they kind of need to have a, should do a teaser at some point this year, like relatively soon. Yeah, I guess it could be. It looks like there are they are aiming for holiday 2017, so it could be a trailer for them. Who knows? Oh, man. I, I I guess yeah we will see. Yep, Den of Geek is saying that they're they're aiming for a 2017 holiday release. At least they'll have a single player. We'll see. Honestly, if something like Battlefield One's campaign, I think I'm still going to be kind of disappointed. I'll be happy that it's there, but still disappointed. I would be really disappointed if that's the only campaign we got. Like I liked Battlefield One's campaign for what it was. And buying a Battlefield game, I didn't expect much of a campaign, but I want a Star Wars campaign. No, I getcha. So I guess the other thing that happened uh, this past week, on the 21st, Empire's End came out. Yeah, so James, have you finished reading Empire's End yet? I admit I have not. I've been a little busy this last week with a, another endeavor. However, I did finally sit down and read some of it last night, so I'm maybe like 15% in, 10% in? Oh, yeah, you haven't hit the accelerator button yet. No, no, not even close. Although, uh, I'm at the point right now where uh, the team got split up over Jakku. Oh, so you're about to hit the accelerator. In my opinion, like, things, once you hit part three of the book, things kind of start picking up a little bit quicker. Ah. Definitely, I was not expecting the split to happen. and kind of annoyed by it. It was, for me, not... I don't know... It, it made some sense, but it didn't make a lot of sense in another way. Like, some of the characters at that point, like, specifically when this happened, felt like they weren't acting very much in, in character, if that might make sense. Like, it didn't necessarily feel like they were making the best decisions and the right decisions. Yeah, like, I feel like, I just feel like, Having read all three books and not necessarily liked all three books, uh, the first two books, and not necessarily having liked the first two books, but really followed the characters, Nora is not acting normal. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. Like, I get some of that, but 
there's a lot where it's just like this seems really really kind of phony and really out of the blue i think that's the thing like uh, i understand he tries to set it up for like no no she's in immense emotional distress and this is why but then it's just like you know Nora was sort of the put together one and this new streak in her is like it's not a good look it's it feels rushed and forced and not very well thought through. Like if the ending of the last book showed her mentally breaking a little bit more, beginning of this book fleshed it out a little bit more, it makes sense, but it just feels like there's something in the middle there that we missed. Yeah, because it's really like they you only have her for like two chapters before this is her new personality. And it's just like, oh, like, I, I mean, like, objectively, I get it, but reading it emotionally i don't get it also uh, they might dive into this a little bit later and i haven't picked up on it yet but they said the empire the imperial fleet basically appeared to be all around jakku like most of oh it. just hang on to that because oh boy but that was only like a dozen or so star destroyers that can't be the entirety no no wait okay wait, wait. Just, just I was like, I was like <laughs> there, there's, there's so much goddamn more. Like, so, like, it's one of those things, like, uh, for a really quick first impression, when, uh, like, James asked me for what I thought of the book, as a novel, it's passable. It's honestly not great. He doesn't do the, the same amount of first, like, first-person pseudo-narration that he did in the previous two books. So, reading-wise, I felt like it was a lot easier to read. But they're also, you know, anything special. It's no great work of fiction. But as a world-building tool, there is so, so much that that is done within setting up The Force Awakens, within setting up what the Empire was and what the First Order is. That like I, I was I was actually really glad that I read this book. And, and you know, for me, I don't care if a novel is great and exceptional as long as it does that. Yeah. Like it can be a passable book, not great, but if it builds the world that I think needs to exist, not in the sense of that I think this world needs to exist, but in this way, shape, or form, but just that it needs to exist, period, and it does it, then I'm okay with that. I like I, that's why I'm like, I don't care necessarily about the author, so to speak. I don't need it to be a, a, a slam dunk author. I just need to build the world. Yeah, I think it'll do that. As long as it doesn't take me out of it. Like the very first book I felt like would have been a good setup book, but it took me out of it. The the writing and everything like that book, I feel like was not put together well. Yeah. I have some questions concerning choices he made i read a synopsis of it there's some things i like that he brought back into canon and uh, some things that were interesting or would make sense for the situation as it developed but uh some things left me with questions like the creation of the first order that's a total puzzle in my mind it goes into one of the main characters from the original movie's rationale for thinking it doesn't make sense to me but uh whatever i don't want to ruin particular things for james yeah we'll do an empire's end review at some point and we can we can talk about all those different pieces i try i'm gonna hope hopefully if everything goes well i'm gonna try and power through it this week okay well we'll see how that goes well um last week was busy because we were setting up a new thing but now that the thing is set up and it's gonna be easier to do certain things with it i think uh, i'll have a little bit more time to read 
plus once I hit the accelerator, I can't stop reading. So if I'm about to hit the accelerator, I'm just going to wind up staying up late one night and finishing it. Although, although <laughs> the hand getting all the the fruit for Leia was just hysterical. The uh, last rumors that's coming up is uh, Star Wars Newsnet. Uh, one of their beat writers uh, is saying that he found out that the title of the Han Solo film is going to be revealed at D23, which is the big Disney expo that happens in July. And one of the reasons that that they're saying this, or one of the justifications that they give that this is a real story, is that because of the way that they use Celebration to promote whatever the next big movie is. So like last year, there was only a single panel about Rogue One. Uh, and this year, there's only going to be a single panel about the Han Solo movie again, probably. So because of that, you know, everything's focused on The Last Jedi. So they're thinking that at this separate event, they might do some of the some of the Han Solo info and and understanding pieces. So those are just some of the news and rumors that are out there right now. I mean, that makes that just makes good fiscal sense from Disney's end. Like, hey, if Disney has their own expo. They should probably do a Star Wars reveal there because they'll get the Star Wars nerds to come to a Disney expo. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong. Apparently I'm wrong. But, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, what they name the Han Solo movie. Just call it Han Solo movie is fine by me. I don't really care what they call it. I don't know about you guys. I want them to call it Star's End. <laughs> uh, honestly, for me, I think the piece regarding the title that I'm most curious about is whether the title's going to feel serious or whether it's going to feel more comedy. I kind of hope they go the comedy route. I want to see a Star Wars comedy movie. I think that could be fun. Either that or honestly, if they make this essentially like Timothy Zahn's Scoundrels book, I would be thrilled with that as well. Could be cool. Could be cool. Or, or like a lethal weapon set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, but they're not cops. <laughs> well, no, but you know what I mean? Like a bu- They're not cops, but like a buddy... Him and Lando cruising around doing crazy shit. So I guess it'd be more like an Ocean's Eleven than a lethal weapon. Yeah, but still. Yeah, like part of me wonders if we're gonna see like heist or treasure or anything like that in the title, um, which will give us a good idea about what that story is gonna be about in some way. It's gonna wind up being Millennium Falcon. I hope you're wrong. Oh man, all the yeah, all of these ideas you guys just said were all bad. <laughs> Just all bad. I don't want to see any of those movies at all. I don't want to see this movie. Couldn't care. To be fair, you don't want to see this movie already. Yeah, I just said that. I don't want to. I don't want to see this. I don't want to hear about it. It's all bad. So, do you want to introduce us to our main topic then, Tom? So, the Force, David. Uh, we're going to talk about the Force today and a bunch of different aspects. What are uh, some things that you think uh, it has changed for the better for the Force in the new canon, as opposed to Legends? Ooh, <laughs> changed for the better. Ah, that's or a, worse, that's a, that's or worse. That's a rough one. <laughs> yeah, or um, worse. I'm not, you know, we just get so combo going here. If, if I had to say that the, if there was a major change, it's that the will of the Force is less nebulous than it used to be in Legends. And, and again, that is my experience with Legends. As I understand it, when we and we talked about this in like one of our first episodes when we were talking about like all the old canon stuff that we're glad is gone but apparently like 
there was some other group that was manipulating all the force and everything happened exactly as they wanted and that kind of thing. And that that's some weird stuff in Legends that I never really got into. But from my experience in Legends, the force now seems like it truly has a will that it is trying to impose and trying to restrict choices, movements, and opportunities in a way that I don't feel like it did in Legends before. I feel like one of the big reasons for that is kind of a major distinction that wound up happening. In the past, if someone could touch the Force, someone could then use the Force, or be taught how to use the Force. You know, with weird exceptions like Cornhorn not being able to use like telekinesis and, and any kind of those powers, which was odd and I never really understood the reason why he couldn't, because he could do goddamn everything else. With the Force now, there, there are specific people who are kind of able to wield it, and but it also seems like there's a whole class of people that can attune themselves to it and others that can simply sense it. You know, I guess it's it's a question regarding like Maz Kanata, you know, for example, you know, she seems to have some connection to the force, but she doesn't use it. If that makes sense. It's I, I think it'd be more accurately it would be more accurate to say that the force uses her than the other way around. Yeah, I got you. There was one thing I didn't like that article came out saying that uh Chirrut wasn't a force user wasn't force sensitive and it's like oh i kind of was hoping he was a little well you know uh, like so this was an article that came out on starwars.com some time ago and there was actually one specific thing like i sent it to you guys saying like hey it's clear that cheered is not you know a force user and then i double checked the language and it's it's like a very subtle shift that they've kind of made but it's the yeah. shuttle subtle shift between calling someone a force wielder and calling someone a force user so that list was people that weren't force wielders and i think i agree with that because chira doesn't use the force like he doesn't actively seek to change things if that almost makes sense like i don't know because i was thinking uh we're about to be running a 7c game and one of the things in 7C is this idea of fate and the threads of fate that bind people. And there's these, these witches, essentially, that can manipulate those, those strands of fate. And I was thinking that yeah. maybe, you know, force wielders are people like those witches. Like, people that can tug and pull and affect change and move fate and the force the way that they wished it to move. Whereas there are other people like, like Chirrut, who as opposed to bending and pulling on those threads, simply wrap themselves in it. And as opposed to becoming, you know, as opposed to imposing their will upon the force, they surrender themselves fully to the force and have the force do things through them. Yeah. Uh, I think more simply, if he, if Chirrut was found by like the Jedi Knights back in the old Republic and they trained him or pre, uh, you know, empire, they would have been, would he have been a Jedi Knight? Did he have the potential to be a force user in that sense? I think he, because there was no Jedi order, 
he had this affinity and used it as best he could, but didn't have anyone help him develop it. Maybe he wasn't as strong as others, so he he was what he was in the movie. Uh, so I, I don't know. I think if there was like the Jedi Academy setup, he would have been some sort of Jedi. See, the uh, I want to disagree with you because Chirrut's old enough that he predates the Clone Wars. Or maybe not, he, well, sorry, he doesn't predate the Clone Wars. He predates the Galactic Empire, for sure. Oh, yeah, but... But, again, it's kind of like that odd piece where, during the Clone Wars, were the Jedi still going out and recruiting children in the same manner that they were beforehand? Well, we see a little bit of that during the Clone Wars, but maybe they scaled it down, and, you know, they maybe didn't get to everybody. Yeah, especially on a backwater like Jedha or something like that. And who's to say? Maybe he's not from Jeddah, or did they say he's from Jeddah? Mm, I'm not sure. He definitely called it his home, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was his original like planet of origin. Yeah, Maze says that, or Blaze, but you know that could have been their adoptive home or whatever. Yeah, or he could have come there eventually from somewhere else. Yeah, so it's hard to say. I don't know. I like to think that with the proper training, he could have had some sort of abilities like that or uh been in the or you know been in the order in some in some way i think he was force sensitive when i saw that article because it was from starwars.com right yep yeah i was like oh man that kind of took took some of the wind out of my sails for that character because he kind of was a rough go of it anyway you know yeah well i guess then for you you think that having Having the Force be something that, with the proper training and a touch of talent, that anyone can learn to be a Jedi, you think that that's a more interesting route as opposed to some people, you're able to touch it, but no amount of training would ever allow you to become a Jedi? Uh, yeah, possibly. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely, you know, with the lightsaber, it's some sort of martial art form. Uh, they do a lot of meditation and stuff like that, so there's some... I mean, it's based off of Eastern Buddhist principles and everything. Uh, so there's there's a bit of uh, uh, magnanimous, you know, like kind of like loftiness about the Jedi that would be there maybe if they weren't uh, uh, force sensitive. But uh, you know, it's hard to say. It's uh, I would like to see. Uh, that was one thing I read about the uh, synopsis for Empire's End is that there are other like force tradition and groups now springing up. A uh, year after uh, the death of the Emperor. So uh, maybe these things have been going along in secret. Like we said, the Jedi organization was a man made organization. And you got to think of it like, uh, you know, we have churches and different religions nowadays. That's their interpretation of what the Force is. So for other people, it could be different. And I like seeing the variety. So just as long as there's some variety going forward in interesting ways, I'll be, I'll be fine with that. And there was variety in the uh, old canon, too. It's just, what do you prefer? You know, it's really, uh, you know, uh, apples and oranges at that point. It's just like your opinion. Yeah, because I guess for me, I like the idea that that there are, that it almost seems like anyone can attune themselves to the Force. Like through meditation, through prayer, through opening yourself up. You know, again, in that kind of like, I guess, uh, Eastern tradition, like... You, you can sense the rest, but you may not be able to influence it in the way that you hope. But instead, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. But instead, like you're trying to 
surrender yourself to it. And that for me is something that that feels very interesting for them to explore kind of going forward. And then you also have other people that have the ability to to manipulate it. Yeah, I could see that. People that understand it and respect it and others that can actually uh, communicate with it and then others that can communicate with it and have it do you know, what they want. So there's like varying degrees of interaction with it. Yeah. And cheer for me is, is specifically in that weird spot because yeah, he, he kind of does both, but as opposed to someone like Lyra, on the other hand, who very much is in some ways, I'd probably call her force attuned. Like, you know, she is able to kind of surrender herself to, to allow herself to feel, to think, to calm and to listen to what the force is saying. Yeah, and I think there was, like, not thinking of it, too, like, in the Dark Age of, and in the old EU, in the old EU, there was the New Jedi Temple, so that we saw more people that were definite Force users, you know, our, our standard definition of what it mean, what it means to be a Force user. We don't see that as much now in the, the new canon, because now it's more splintered, and there is no central power structure for the... Uh, religion of the force as it were yeah it's very much now the idea that you know the sith and jedi were only two of the many groups out there that utilized the force yeah but it is i mean they're doing that we just don't know a whole lot about them you know like the knights of ren now they're not following the sith traditions now in the old canon the sith were a race that were evil force users or, you know, from their point of view, they were just force users and, uh, they eventually died off and other people, I took up their name of their race as their religion, uh, the Sith. Cause the Sith, I believe were, they were online with the, uh, they're kind of distant genetic cousins of, or the, the Maasai from, uh, Yavin. Yeah, that and there are other things where I think that they're also related to the true Mandalorian race. Yeah. when Ma They're like genetic cousins, kind of like the Romulans and the uh, Vulcans from, uh, there's more of a divide from like Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, and so I guess that's that's kind of like a big chunk of what I feel like has changed in the past like yeah the the old west end books kind of like fleshed out like oh look at the all these other things and then you also had legends characters who were just like oh we we specialize in these particular parts of the force um and i feel like those those did give it some some variation in terms of how different people interacted with the force and you know their ability to specialize in it but i feel like once we in this new canon, I feel like there's going to be a larger opportunity to really branch out outside of the Sith and Jedi because they've specifically made it now so that the Sith and Jedi, yes, they were major traditions, but they were by no means the only one. And I think that that's also, you know, this is kind of like a piece that hasn't yet been kind of resolved, which is how, how in the world... Did the Jedi Order interact with some of these other other Force traditions before the Clone Wars? Because these traditions existed long beforehand. Like, for example, one of the new canon traditions is uh, this uh, the Ashla idea that comes from uh, Zeb's people. 
uh, Zeb is one of the characters on on Star Wars Rebels. He's the alien. And the thing with it is that you know, it's a very, very old tradition. And it primarily actually focuses upon surrendering to, to the will of the Ashla, which is what they call the Force. And they use it to actually navigate a... In, in a lot of ways, you could describe it as they try. They used it to navigate through the Maw. Oh, okay. So the Maw is a thing. Well, I, I, I'm trying to recall if it was called the Maw or not, but it was effectively the Maw. It was basically like a series of, of black holes and the like that you had to navigate through precisely at hyperspeed. Otherwise, you'd be sucked in and die. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah. And so, you know, I was just thinking, you know, like, okay, so how did this tradition exist because our understanding of the jedi is that they believe that they were in a lot of ways the one true tradition and not only were they the one true tradition but any child that was force sensitive they would try to recruit and the jedi had a lot to offer in terms of status power wealth for at least the parents that you know i wonder why why those traditions managed to survive despite the active recruitment attempts by the Jedi beforehand. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that was some interesting points too. I remember when we talked about this a long time ago where uh, James made the joke that uh, the Jedi forcibly removed, or he thought that the Jedi forcibly removed the children from the parents. But did they promise them money or is it just like they would go to the poor and downtrodden and promise them a better life? Uh, typically it was a better life period because like, I'm just remembering the episode from the clone wars and the Rodane woman that, uh, that, you know, that they convinced to give their kids, um, when Cad Bane's pretending to be a Jedi. Yeah. That's the only thing. That's the only excerpt I think I can call upon too. Or, and then of, of course, uh, Anakin himself. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a kind of a shit move. Let's go. But I mean, they are kind of elevating people out of their poor, shitty social and economic. That's the setting. thing, though. Like the woman who gave up the Rodane woman who was giving up her kid, she didn't look super bad off. You know, I I would be cautious to to classify her as you know one of these poor downtrodden people. You know, because like. I feel like, in general, if your kid is able to become a Jedi, like, that is a good life for that kid, you know, before Order 66 and, and, you know, the downfall of the Jedi happens, you know, the Jedi were well-respected, they were always fed, they were typically safe, because who messes with a Jedi? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, there was one question, though, that a fan asked a couple episodes back. This is from uh, Joel Davis, and uh, let me hear, I want to interest in know your thoughts on this, David. He says, uh, since you guys are going to talk about the Force, I'll add an extra caveat for to it. Do you think that a major difference between new and old canon is that the new canon tends to lean more towards fantasy, while the old canon tended to lean more towards science fiction? Do you think he's uh, correct in that statement or not? Oh, that's a really good question. It is. Well, I mean, f- for me, I-, I think a lot of the stuff started especially in like the role-playing games and like david said earlier the west end games you did see a bit more fantasy here and there and it it got really different aspects of the force got a lot more eastern style of thinking towards it there was a lot more uh different branches that were 
I don't know, more I thought the the Jedi should have been mm-hmm. prior to the prequel movies where they, you know, they weren't afraid of death. They lived on after death. So, you know, they should have been calmer, you know, they should have not been so quick to anger. You know, a lot of Jedi at times were doing a lot of shouting and I thought that it was, uh, you know, they should have been more like monks and maybe less of the actions action types we got in the prequels so they weren't you know totally out of character i just felt that they really should have stressed a more uh more buddhist type philosophy and really gone to the weapon at the at the last resort you know something like uh jet or not jetly bruce lee did in a lot of his movies where he rarely threw the first punch in a couple of them you know he was only it was really only as defense and in the prequels you kind of see him you know turn those lightsabers on any second they get but you could argue in some of those situations well they had no choice and yeah sometimes they did but i didn't like really how they had them set up in the prequels or in the old or in the old eu for that matter i would have liked a more uh, calmer rationale, you know, uh, the reason you would send a Jedi as a mediator is because that they, you know, were really kept their uh, head above water and were very good at, uh, you know, honestly brokering peace and talking to people and knew that they could be, uh, treated with respect if they were coming to help you, you know? Yeah, I get that. Um, I'm trying to think if I agree with the, with the concept that the force is, kind of a more fantasy piece i think i think i'd actually have to go with yes uh for one specific reason and that is in a lot of fantasy pieces you have these these deities who have a will who lend out their power uh to like you know their priests and clerics you know going back to D tropes or something like that and i think the big difference is that in the old in the old legends, because I feel like the Force didn't have a set and defined objective and will, or a desired outcome, that, you know, by that necessity, there was no, like, overarching deity trying to say, like, okay, like, this is this is the thing that we shall attempt to have happen, and let us move our agents forward and towards this outcome. Whereas now it feels like like there is that overarching thing that's trying to push things towards a specific outcome so to me that if that's the kind of distinction that you're making then yes i would agree that the new one is more fantasy the only other thing that i will also say in terms of like again the difference between new and old is that is the idea of mysticism like the new force in the new canon feels much more mystic than I think the old one did. And I actually think that that's a good thing. You know, the strangeness of the Force is something that I think really comes through in a lot of the new canon stuff. And I'm less... I'm less convinced that it really came through in some of the Legends materials. Like, the true strangeness of it, because... It always felt like they were taking almost superpowers in the old one. Like, oh, what can a Jedi do? Well, he can leap giant buildings. He can move very quickly. He can do all these things that were really focused in on, like, 
even like some of the new way new age like pseudoscience stuff where it's just like oh i can i can you know foresee things and you know other things like there were things that were within a lot of the realm of possibility and were tangible in in some way for us to grasp now i almost think that the force instead of it focusing in on those things that you know oh the force enables me to do this it's now the force is here and it's gonna try to do something and i'm just gonna try and piggyback on that thing if that makes sense especially again you know it's it's one of those things chirrut is such a weird example in in these cases because the thing he does with the tie fighter and the things that he does when he's dodging blaster bolts like those are those are strange and i feel like those were partially missing because he's not moving faster than anybody else but it's like he has he's not where people perceive him to be almost if that makes sense or people find themselves unable to strike him i don't know after thinking about joel's question here i think it's all fantasy in both new and old i think how it's been represented it seems like it's been more science fiction based i think the only hard science fiction based thing we have around the force is the midi-chlorine test everything else <laughs> i think is fantasy for sure and you have it's it's deep in the some level of mysticism i think what david is saying and what i enjoy too is that we want more of that mysticism we want it less explained but we just want more of it like almost like a religion yeah like that's the vibe i'm getting with the new canon that it's like you might you guys may have touched on this but it's like almost like religious with different sects believing different things about the force and the force in our time would be god with different religions believing different things about gods yeah and uh there was yeah something we touched on and yeah we'd like to see more uh diversification of our forces that's what we want uh you want to have something like a uh hey uh different sects of jedi and then forget the jedi but then just force users or people leavers in the force that do different things well we know luke tried to make a jedi academy but then you know that didn't work so uh the, the void needs to be filled it's gonna fill itself naturally you'd mm -hmm. think i would think but uh yeah i don't know is there uh anything else we want to talk about the new uh the new and the old you know, one thing I Force. would like to talk to about to you guys about is my little pet theory right now about the dark side and the light side of the Force. Uh, again, going back to the idea that there is an overarching will that that happens now with the Force. I think, I think one of the new pieces that kind of like changes things is, you know, again the idea that the dark side is, you know, the dark side is a path to many powers some which may be called unnatural it's the idea that you know if the light side is pushing and pulling along the various like threads of fate that exist and kind of like influencing them in one direction or another i i think that that's really the big the big piece here like i feel like the light side of the force is the manipulation and the and the adaptation of the force and the will of the force now as opposed to the dark side which i believe uh essentially cuts those strings and reattaches and reassembles them or abandons them all together 
uh, in order to to gain greater power and greater advantage over what what this will is. And again, in some ways, that that almost makes sense. And again, you know, this is just my little pet theory, because if you think about the old Sith code, like one of the lines is, you know, through power, my chains are broken, uh, is, is one of the lines in the Sith code. And, you know, if, if the concept is that the dark side frees you in a lot of ways from the flow of the force, from having to surrender, then I think that that's a really interesting direction that I kind of hope that they go in, but that might be a little bit too much. I mean, it's possible. Uh, where did I read this? I read that Grey Jedi may be a thing again. I don't remember what the context was. Could it have been Kanan? Because Kanan straight up shoots people. <laughs> <laughs> That's a it's a pretty famous internet meme too. I see that all the time. People really love them Grey Jedi. But no, I, actually I think I've read something specifically that said the Grey Jedi were not a thing. See, I read something specifically that said they were. I, I could be wrong. There were always some like terrible fan fiction garbage that was like, they're Jedi, but then they can be cool badass in a fight because they Use the dark side to fight for the good of others. It's it's shit. Yeah, here it was. Uh, and granted, you know, again, Pablo Hidalgo's Twitter is not, you know, is not a canon thing. But he has some influence on where the story goes. So on January 17th, 2017, <laughs> More than us. Uh, he specifically stated, I don't get the gray Jedi thing. You're either a Jedi or you're not. It's like being a gray vegetarian who eats meat. And hey, Pablo. Yeah, and for me, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, hey, you're not a great Jedi, in my opinion. If you know, sometimes you fail and you do give in to anger, that makes you, that makes you immortal. That makes you something less than a paragon. But at the same time, you know, that, you know, the idea that, as a general rule, you would reject the light side. And embrace part of the dark side means that you're not really a Jedi anymore. Like, and, and again, this kind of goes back to some of the ideas. Well, around, by Jedi standards. What's up? By Jedi. By standards, Jedi standards. And again, this kind of goes back to, you know, what was the gray Jedi back in like Knights of the Old Republic and like the old game? Because Jolie Bindo was probably the the example gray Jedi that you were given. You know, he was, he was in many ways, he wasn't quite true neutral uh, to go again back to D&D, like alignment classifications or whatnot. But he was really a great Jedi because he didn't agree with the, with the doctrines that the Jedi put out. In my, in what I believe is that that doesn't make you a great, a great Jedi. That makes you not a Jedi. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were some instances of this, like even in some of the uh, West End games, there were other areas where you could say that some of these groups were great Jedi, but I mean, the majority of it now that I see is young teenage dudes being like, they're good at fighting and they're badass. And yeah, and they can awesome? use force lightning, but they're still the good guy. Yeah, you know, that's shut up. Just go play a first person shooter or something, man. Get out of here. Glad you like it, but you're wrong. 360 no scope. Yeah, just go do that and drink some Mountain Dew and eat some Doritos.
as if I I haven't done that like this past well, week. I did, the, <laughs> I did that too when I was a child, you know? When I was a wee boy. I was all about that stupid shit. But, you know, you grow up and you realize it was stupid. It's a bad idea. Duh. Alright, well that's... Uh, I, I think that was a fun little conversation about the Force. Yeah, thanks for Joel for chiming in. We did get some other feedback from other people there on SoundCloud and other areas about some of the topics we talked about last time. Next episode, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, continue to discuss. Uh, I don't know, we were talking uh, the Empire versus or Empire versus conversation. A couple people got back to us. We'll uh, go over those next time and also uh, some campaign ideas and requests for what we should do for an actual play. Ooh. But, uh, yeah, we got a couple suggestions. But, uh, yeah, we'll go over that next time, and I want to thank everyone for listening. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please hit us up on SoundCloud or our Facebook page, Twitter handle, all our at Coruscant Pulse, and then our Gmail, CoruscantPulse at gmail.com. Yeah, that's about it. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Always. Da, 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 da.